All right, everyone. Welcome to another No Gear Required podcast. I've been trying to get this guy here with with us for quite some time. He lives in another state. Uh, Jason Balos, thank you for being here again, sir. Always Mike, happy to be here. Thank you for making yeah. this happening. Yeah, today I have somebody, I'd say very special to me because he had so much influence in my life. I think for for quite some time, he became our the father figure in our family with all the brothers. Here with me, my oldest brother, Carlos Machado. Welcome. Man, here we go. Look at this. I have him he, in person, which is, we're talking about to do those podcasts like Zoom or Skype and said, no, man, you got to be here. And here we go, sir. Thanks for being here, Carlinhos. Uh, I'm surprised. I mean, I, I was not expecting this. Uh, you called me earlier today. Say, hey, come on over. We're going to do a podcast. I said, what? I'm in. You guys are all like his brothers. I, when we started this, I'm just like, okay, the, at the top of the list right off the bat are, are you guys. You and you see how long it took me to get him? World uh, record, huh? Yeah. Man. <laughs> But Carlinhos, boy, let's start this, man. Let, sure. let, let's go back in time here. Let's see how, how far how our far memory... My memory goes. Yes. Hey, hey. I know uh, uh, how old I was. How old? All right, let's let's do this. When when was your first baby steps in jiu-jitsu? When did jiu-jitsu start in your life? Uh, four years old. I think I had my first tournament. Uh, I was five, actually, in a yellow belt. I was training with Carlson Grace, actually. I was not with holes yet. Had... Four matches, won three matches, and the last match I was winning by two points. I was in the kids' guard. I stood up, and Carlson was saying, Carlson Gracie at the time, late master Carlson Gracie was saying, stay down, stay down. I stood up. I remember the kid doing a tomoinagi on me, me flying over, seeing the ceiling. I land, they land on top, and then he scored six points. I, I didn't know what points were at that time. All I remember is when we finished the match, I remember the previous matches, everybody was raising my arm, and the very last one, I raised the other kid's arm, and I cried. So uh, then I transitioned to halls, you know, but, um, yeah, it was... Uh, I think all of us... On the I, early, I started early, when I was four. Early days, and mm -hmm. and how was that for you, growing up and doing jiu-jitsu? How was that having other four brothers following uh, your steps and also doing jiu-jitsu and uh, annoying you every day? Yeah, well, <laughs> I was older than, than you. Higgin grew up my size. Higgin started to give me trouble since early age. Uh, and then with my cousins, Helion, you know, our cousins, and, and the other ones are all older. So there was somewhat of a pecking order. We all knew who was better than who, who was older than who, who was, you know, very easy. Uh, but I think as we all grew up together, it became part of our uh, philosophy no one would slack on training because if we did, the other brothers or cousins would get ahead. And then whenever we decided to go train again, it would be payday, you know? So you guys kept me honest, I'm telling you. Now, nobody ever, I mean, given the scope of the family, it was jujitsu. I mean, I kind of gather that it was just expected of all of you or... Did anybody ever just like, no, you know, I, I, I don't want to do this. I want to do something else. Or was it all just kind of like, no, you guys are old enough. You're going to the academy and you're going to start training. Was Did it ever feel like that? Or was it just like, no, this is fun. I, I enjoy doing it and I'm all in. Um, I cannot speak for Jean-Jacques, but uh, I think 
both our parents supported us a lot in jiu-jitsu, but our mom, I think, was the one that would take us. Our dad used to work all day and stuff, so she was really, you know, I remember doing lessons with late Uncle Helio uh, when I was a kid before I went to Carlson. He was teaching the self-defense and all this stuff. He had a, uh, uh, the building at uh, Rio Branco Academy, uh, which was one of the oldest uh, Gracie academies in Rio de Janeiro back in the old days. The academy was from the 60s. You know, there was like, but, yeah. And you know that people don't know that um, the apartment that we used to live in Rio de Flamengo. Used to be a school too. Used to be yeah. a, a Gracie school. Yeah. And our dad bought, because there used to be a residential building it was so big. Wow. They had sweets and stuff. We grew up inside the school. <laughs> yeah. We always had mats in our, uh, whenever, wherever we lived. Like in our apartment, we had a room with mats and houses that we lived at different times. Even here in America, we all had mats in our houses. Just If not, we just moved the coffee table. And that's how me and Jean-Jacques, we you know, spent time together breaking down things. It's kind of like a, it builds the affection between the brothers. Oh, just sure. to know that we have something that holds us so but, tight. But right? jujitsu is fun. For us, yeah. we're having a blast. We never realized that any of us yeah. will follow and teach. No, we're uh, just doing for... When we first started as a student, uh, nobody sees ahead, you know, we just see what's just in front of us. We, we just wanna... I didn't enjoy much some things, for instance, I was always trying to prove to my instructors, you know, we had that thing, you cannot lose. You know, you saw God, that was that mentality being undefeated. You can't pressure. Know. So Pressure's every time I competed, actually, I was better than most. I don't think I fought anybody that I felt was better than me, even the times that I lost. But I felt the pressure mentally that I never fully enjoyed because I was always thinking that I was doing that because I want to make somebody else happy. And after coming to the United States, especially after moving to Texas, then I started to you know, if I'm going to do I'm going to just compete for myself, you know, just because I want to do it. And I started to become more successful. Yeah, we make sure we know. keep the pressure on, on yeah. him. He's the <laughs> oldest one. We go behind. You better be in good yeah. shape. You should be the, you're supposed to be tapping everyone. I mean, we're going to stay right on your tail, sir. Yeah, I know. You guys yeah, kept we, me honest. We, we, I remember some weekends we used to travel and we always have on the back of our car a canvas. Yeah, to put on the. We got canvas. We put on the backyard. Spend the, if we spend the weekend <laughs> in a place that had the backyard with grass, we would. I remember training in the moonlight. It was all dark and you know just rolling. I mean, there was not a. Nowadays, people say, "Oh, you train every day, or you train every other day, or you train seven days a week." We didn't count. We would spend more time on the mat than most people, just because you know. For us, it was just natural yeah when you're at that when it's that important to you then you you clearly know that this is a it's it's part of your like earth air fire water it's just like your 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 nourishment we are not forced to do it we just did naturally yeah, because we really it. wanted to oh yeah it. we all we always want to train yeah yes i remember remember our friend ronaldo had a he had the gym up on the mountain and, and I remember, yeah, the shower is a natural fall water coming yeah, from the. They had a spring and a cascade, like a waterfall yeah. that he just, you go right under. But I remember at the base of the mountain, it's probably like a mile and a half, two miles, no, maybe more than that. Maybe no, like, it's pretty high. Maybe three miles of, uh, yeah. at least three miles of a steep road. I would always ask, okay, let me get off here and I would run 
from the bottom the, until the top where the guy's house was. Okay, now I'm warmed up. I can start training right away. And, I mean, and you know, many times the train starts at midnight. Yeah. People are going for the nightclub. We're going for jiu-jitsu training. <laughs> it was, <laughs> I mean, I don't know. We, we didn't even think of it. We just did it. And how was it for you growing up and you have four younger brothers um, that also followed your steps in a way and all have the same passion? How was that for you looking down and... You know, what's, what's funny is um, when I look back at jiu-jitsu from the perspective that I have now, I felt, you know, you always give credit to your instructors, you know, who you train under. And I have a, a long list of people that have been instrumental in my training. But by far, by far, my brothers, all my brothers, including Jean-Jacques, were the main ones that uh, formed uh, the jiu-jitsu that I have. You know, and of course we had influence from the cousin and everything we put from them, but because we spend more time training with each other. We have easy access to we, each other. We, um, I don't know, I just can tell, like, man, I spend more time training with my brothers than I did with everybody else, you know, and all that mat time, you know, makes a difference. And, and, and I tell my students today that whenever we start training, we never train 10 minutes. It's, yeah. It's 15 minutes, one hour, then look at each other. Who's going to ask this stuff? <laughs> no, no. I, I never had that problem. I never had that problem. Like Jean-Jacques, for instance, if you train with him, maybe you can relate. I don't remember ever going for a session with Jean-Jacques that I had. I was not the one to say, okay, we had enough. It's good. Last time we rolled, I think it was 45 minutes a long time ago. We've got to start doing that again. We're not even supposed to be training. We're supposed to do a photo, photo shooting with Keanu Reeves. No, no. no then, I'm talking about before when yeah, we actually then, did and train. The last time, then we just yeah, yeah. all sweaty. <laughs> no, all. no. I, I'm kind of trying to work a hook flip with Jean-Jacques. And then Jean-Jacques said, but if you do this, I do that. And then I said, well, if you do this, I do that. And all of a sudden, we start to go after each other and sweat. And uh, we're all red in front of the camera, like when we're supposed to be all looking cool, you know. So I said, let's <laughs> slow down here, we're getting too sweaty. Yeah, that was funny. <laughs> we looked at each other, who cares about that picture? We gotta make sure that hook works well. Now you were the first one to leave Brazil? Higgin. Oh, Higgin. Higgin left a little over a year before us, came to visit and said, man, you guys ever come, have to come, because. But, but, yeah. but no, I gotta say something here. Before we go to, to get to US first, um, when we grew up in Teresópolis, back in those those times over there, I think I think in our school, local high school, I think we have maybe what two thousand students. I'm not saying how many students we have. Yeah, it was a small high school. Uh, not high school, high school and middle school. Yeah, two thousand, two thousand people there. Maybe two to three. Yeah. Carlos was the number one, number two student every year. Oh, you mean yeah. uh, this, talk about academics now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. the smartest guy. It's like, man, we're like, he, he, he just used to see a book and he reads so fast, so quick. He, and we spent hours reading and studying. He just go like, bam. And he was always. I like to study. I was a, a nerd and a jockey. Is that how you say? Like a football players mm -hmm. or athletes. I could relate to, I was friends to the nerds and to the athletes, you know. To the, yeah. And we always like, man, how the hell does he do that? And here we go. I, I, I always like to, to read. Yeah, he was the he was the brain of the family. I mean, all the four left ones. The other brother's not that smart. I think he took all the smart aspects. You write too. Yeah, I, I write as well. No, I haven't written that much. I plan to write another you book. No, I'm, I'm yeah. gonna I'm gonna go in a little and get the book that That's I left right, over I there. To, yeah, yeah. yeah. 
But Carlos, how was that growing up with four brothers? How was that for you, especially being the oldest one? We went through a lot of things, everything we went through together from the ups and downs. Mm -hmm. How was that for you? How is... I, I have some notes I made here. Uh, see when I, I say he's the I smartest think, one? I think, uh, you guys you see, I got the notes. First, the first thing was, was seeing first raised, to be raised and then rising up, right? So we were raised, we had a wonderful household. Our dad was um, a judge of a high level court. Our mom was a household, you know, um, young lady at the time. And uh, the five brothers were always involved in sports. Jiu-Jitsu was our main activity, sport-wise. And um, our cousins had always been in greatly interacting with us. We lived in each other's households. You know, I, when I went to college, I used to live in the house of late master uh, Carlos Gracie, senior. My cousin Helian, uh, Carlos Gracie Jr. and Crawley, they all live in the same, same place. But uh, being with the brothers, I felt, was an evolution. Like, for instance, uh, Higgin. Uh, Higgin, when he was a purple belt at that time, you know, he grew so big and, and, and technical and talented. The guy was so really creative, his jiu-jitsu. So he would do stuff that people never saw before. You're talking about nowadays, you know, the different kind of guards that people call different names. I saw Higgin doing similar things back then, but we didn't have a name for it. So anytime we had tournaments, I would watch Higgin. Man, he was like watching a show. Mm -hmm. He would be the most spectacular, spectacular match, you know. And of course, Jean Jacques, as he grew up in the ranks, he had his name is like the guy, the guy Braulio Casalade. Yeah, 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 man, he had this guy from Carlson Gracie Academy. They would go in. There was an occasion that a guy had the he best was. of Jean Jacques, won by points. But then Jean Jacques avenged and tapped the guy out. He was just like. A, our academy was close together with Hickson's Academy. We all competed the same against Carlson Gracie Academy. So it was all a, a duel of Gracie Academies going against each other. So it was interesting to see, like for instance, Jean-Jacques and John coming from Yellow Belt because we had a little gap in terms of age. And we're already yeah, black belts. He, and he's a lot older than Jean-Jacques. Not a lot older. <laughs> so I remember Jean-Jacques when he was Purple Belt, man, he was just like, on the terror, you know, and uh, people would make bats, you know, some of our cousins, I'm not, I'm not gonna say names, but they say, you know, they say, oh, you, you, you can't tap him in 10 minutes. So some of the black belt, you know, relative would try to go Jean-Jacques in the 10 minute, you know, even Higgin couldn't get him. You know, he just, defense got so good, he got so, so uh, uh, skilled. So it was, it was nice to see from a brother's perspective my brothers, you know, me as an instructor, Higgin, and then they come in. I mean, always tried to give them whatever support, but as they grew of age, they became on their own right amazing, you know, uh, jiu-jitsu guys. So it was nice to see, you know, that from my brother's perspective, I became somewhat of a, a fan, not just a, an instructor or mm -hmm. supporter. So, you know, it, it makes you proud, you know, when your brother does yeah, well. And so he created, you know, so it was it was interesting. Now, as we are rising in Brazil, you know, I remember Jean Jacques and I became the main instructors of the academy uh, before I came to America. You know, we were talking about the United States, so just to give you the perspective, and uh, it was it was uh, when Higgin went to the U.S. in 1989. That's when he went. Or end of '88, he came back in '89, saying that the first Gracie Academy was to be open. He wanted to do wrestling. He needed some help. And uh, 
So he, me and eventually me and John first came to live in the United States. Jean-Jacques became the main instructor at the academy we left off. And uh, eventually he went and moved to another academy. And, uh, and eventually he made the transition. To yeah, the I want to, I I before you go and we make that transition to U.S., um, you and Higgin had the chance because we used to live in Teresopolis. It's, um, I would say, like a big bear city up in the mountain. Mm -hmm. And um, because you, you start out your university that yeah. was in Rio, mm -hmm. then you and Higgin end up moving and start living at Carlos Gracie Sr.'s house. Yeah. How was that growing up over there I, with him? I call that the golden years, you know, because you're a teenager and living in, in uh, Ipanema, most beautiful beach, most beautiful women. Uh, you train and you become a, I became an assistant instructor. So I had somewhat of a position of prestige. Higgins, same thing. We started helping out our cousin. And it's kind of like, a, I don't know, man, everything was perfect. It was perfect. We had the best time. And then on the weekends, we'll go visit our but, house. But how was that like growing up and see every day and, and some of the conversations and, and stories that Car Carlos Gracie? I spent a lot of time with Uncle Carlos. He didn't talk much about jujitsu with me. He talked more about philosophy of life, his vision, uh, spiritual view of the world. You know, he had his own. He was a non-religious person, very generous. He was a healer. You know, he used to actually have a, a home office where he took care of a lot of clients. Uh, there were lines of people coming to his place. And he, through diet and herbs and different uh, natural healing protocols, he would do all kind of uh, amazing stuff to a lot of people. You know, he got a lot of, uh, he, he, he was super busy, but in his downtime, you know, he would talk about things like why he believed, for instance, there's a, a, a God, there's a creator. He would kind of give me perspective. He taught those stories about his life uh, when he was a kid, how jiu-jitsu actually saved his life. And he would have been either in jail or dead if it was not for jiu-jitsu. Uh, with the other cousins, it's just kind of like living in a, in a dorm. You know, we would pick on each other all the time. Uh, Mealtime, we had the cook, Olguinha. She would bring all these different pastries and stuff uh, during the meal. We would actually would end up in fights because everybody would just jump into you the know, We the, know when you have a lion that hunts and you have the zebra. You kill the zebra yeah. and then all the lions try to bite and each other. All the lions kind of eating, they look at each other like, uh, it's you, know, like you better move. That was that kind of tension at meal time. That was crazy. We acted like barbarians. <laughs> When you don't have a presence of Carlos or, or, or a mom or aunt, anybody on the table that was older, if it's just us, it's a bunch yeah, it of lions. Yeah. <laughs> but but at, at the same time, great support. Everybody was there for each other. It was a, a magic time for me. Good memories. And what made you, and I know because we had, we lived together before you left to the U.S. I was your roommate that left all the masks for your wife to clean. I, I remember that. For us for us to move to Barra da Tijuca where we we opened the Gracie Barra School with Carlinhos. Mm -hmm. And that was avoiding traffic. That was a beautiful place. Yeah. And life was good, but what made you... Suddenly, accept the Higgins invitation. Didn't know, and I think uh, a lot of people don't know. My brother Carlos. John, my brother John, uh, your brother, you know, ironically, the youngest, said, "No, we gotta go." Because John, at the time, was trying to do the farming st yeah. stuff, going to 
farm school and agriculture. And that was not something at that time in Brazil that had that much perspective, right? Uh, we got a piece of land and we're, all of a sudden we're going to live in the middle of nowhere. Um, so he convinced me, said, you know, Carlos, we've got to take this in consideration. Our dad, as a matter of fact, uh, he he also said, if I was in your age, I would do it too. You know, you got yeah, to give it a try. He was worried about Hegan. said, you guys got to go there and help your brother because, you know, I, I think he may need your help. There's an opportunity. Mm -hmm. So we didn't know exactly what to expect. And we didn't have a sense of mission at that time. It was more adventure and a question mark. But we knew that for me, the way I felt in Brazil, there were not that many tournaments all the time. It was just sporadic. Uh, we had won several tournaments already. Uh, the school was just big enough to give us enough perspective. Uh, we had two partners, you know, besides Jean-Jacques, our cousin, and it's just kind of like, we can only grow so much here. So, okay, let's let's give it a try, you know? And how, how was that beginning for you in America? Because uh, uh, what a lot of people do not know is, I mean, today they know we, we, we left uh, a country that everybody knows who, we were, mm -hmm. suddenly you come to US and you start Jiu Jitsu in a, yeah. in a garage. Okay, so. How, how was that impact on your head? It's like, hmm. Okay, so it's what you don't know that hurts you in life. A lot of times, you know, uh, you get surprised by things that you don't anticipate and experience should have taught you, but you don't have the experience yet. So you're gonna have to get hurt so you can earn the lesson. So coming to America, we're kind of naive as, you know, young, being young and in Brazil, the culture in Brazil, it's kind of like you live in a spa. You know, we had the fortune to have a dad that was uh, middle class, upper middle class. So he, we are always able to afford maids, cleaning ladies. We had a cook. So literally, uh, until I came to America, I was used as if I was living in a hotel. You know, even when I was a roommate to Jean-Jacques, all the masks, I would always leave the mask Jacqueline and his wife would go crazy. My gosh, you know, and at that time, I didn't know any better. You know, it was a culture I was conditioned to, you know. So coming to America, there's that shock that you're still doing the same things. You're still conditioned to think and act in a certain way, uh, thinking that everything's going to fall in your lap. But in reality, you're going to have to go out and get it. You know, it's just a matter of time. And uh, when I, we first came, our original goal was to work with our cousin in the first new academy, the first official Grace Academy. But uh, my, my brother Higgin was already kind of worn out of all the, having the garage dojos, for instance. Uh, we, uh, thank you, sir. Uh, having the garage dojo uh, was a model that it was a precursor before we actually I guess everybody else had school. There was not an official school, so we had double car garage mats that could accommodate private lessons throughout the day. I remember us, my brother Higa, teaching shifts of morning to lunch, and then uh, lunch to late afternoon, and then group class at night. It was literally a 12 to 16 hour shift yeah, wow. on the mat. Yeah. You know, I remember one time Hickson had to go to Hawaii. I had to replace him. He had 12 privates. One Twelve four-hour practice one day? in one day. Wow! And I was there replacing. So I remember having a rest in between a few lessons and eating something, you know, having a smoothie, and then going back. And by the time we are done, we're done, you know. So it, it was a, a lot of grinding, but uh, there was the formula then to 
you know, and I guess every, everything was funneled to Horion, who was trying to use, Horion was trying to use the proceedings to help finance the building of a, a, an amazing school, the First Grace Academy and so on. But we had uh, decided before everything came to fruition that we would go on our own. You know, and uh, I'm not sure if, were you already uh, no, here when that happened? I, I came okay. in in 91 for a nice okay. vacation. So, but every day, yeah. hey, you're going to wait for, what are you waiting yeah. for? So, you got to come here, you got to come yeah. here. So so the basic idea was um, when we, Higgin and I talked about, say, we, we don't want to go in this direction. You know, we feel our philosophy is not the same and we want to be more control over how we handle things. And it's one of those difficult conversations that you have to have, but it's a, it's about your destiny. You know what I'm saying? You got to have those. So um, me, John, and Hegan decided unison to talk to our cousin and say, you know, we're going to go on our own. But at that time, ironically, we never considered using the Machado name. Uh, still, I, w I wanted to name uh, the school after uh, my cousin or my uncle. You know, that's where who we represented. And to a certain degree, that's who we still represent. We all come and learn from them uh, to an extent, but our philosophy has differentiated to a point and now we create our own. So now if you can say about Jean-Jacques or about me, we have our own legacies. Regardless of where we came from, we built a new, you know, not losing track of our roots, but if you talk about Carlos Machado or talk about Jean-Jacques Machado, it's a different legacy right now than the one that we came from because we have a different level of philosophy. But just to finish up, so from that, then we had a little differences. Uh, Chuck Norris came to do a, a demonstration with us. He got us our first school. You know, he did a private with us in the garage with Higgin. Then eventually I started teaching him. Uh, and he said, you know what, I'm going to help you guys out. Do you want to jump into that one? No, or? you go ahead, sir. So, so he, for a year, we didn't have to pay rent. We had this place in uh, Tarzana. Encino. Encino, he built a school. And oh, then he, that was his shopping center. Yeah, he, with Bob Wall. Yeah. Another very yeah. thankful for them, but both amazing. Um, yeah, and when we talk about Chuck here, it's about benefactors. Um, uh, where is it? Uh, famous friends uh, and real friends. So Chuck Norris was famous, but he was also real. You know what I'm saying? So when people talk about celebrities, a lot of times what you see on the screen is not exactly what it is in mm -hmm. real life. Chuck Norris was yeah. real all the way. And, and I remember as a kid in Brazil, we used to watch his movies. Yeah. And how was that? Suddenly you're sitting at the table, you know, having dinner, talking to him, and, and, and knowing Chuck Norris different than everybody else. So I can tell you this. The first time that Chuck Norris and I ever had a picture together, he's the one that suggested. Because the very first time I met him, uh, me and my brothers, we decided, you know, we're not going to ever ask for an autograph. We're not going to ever ask for a picture. We just want him to be at ease with us because yeah. that's what everybody else yeah, does. Yeah, absolutely. And, so, and the funny thing is every time after the class, we take him for lunch, we pay for him. We never let him pay. And that never happened to him before. It's like, well, wait, wait a minute. Usually I pay for everybody. You guys taking care of me. He was a great guy. And, um, there's, and I mean, there's a new... There's so much that we can talk about, Chuck, but just to make a long story short, the divisor in between where we were and where we ended up going happened after uh, Chuck Norris had um, a demonstration. He flew from Vegas for one day just to come see us, 
And on the mall that we had our academy, there was an atrium, an open space downstairs, where we were supposed to do a demonstration, a jiu-jitsu demonstration. And I remember I had a, a private client called Bruce Cruzada. Yeah, I remember him. Okay, the guy's a real estate guy, super nice. And he said, you know what, I'm going to call LA Times, you know, and, and see if a reporter comes here just to cover this event. Bear with me, Jay. At that time, there was no cell phones, no laptops or anything like that. So uh, everything, everybody read yeah. newspapers way yeah. more than now. So Chuck Norris comes, you know, they, the reporter takes pictures of him and I doing techniques on the ground and then him doing the techniques uh, on the on the mat uh, outside. It makes this almost full page picture of Chuck Norris on the back on the sports section. Now imagine this, nowadays you have NFL, you have NBA, you have, all, you have a celebrity saying jiu-jitsu, the name of the title was Ambassadors of the Gentle Art, and he laid out. In Bellevue, our school was still called Carlos Gracie Jiu-Jitsu. So, that created a bit of a an issue later that we're not going to go into details, but precipitated as eventually saying, you know what? Let's not step on anybody's toes. We're going to call from this on Machado Jiu-Jitsu. So that was the birth. The, after that demonstration, the name Machado Jiu-Jitsu was born in the United States. Yeah, and public perception being what it is, the way I interpreted it before I joined, before I signed up, I read about all you guys. And um, w I always took it like, wow, you could have easily carried the weight of your work by carrying the Gracie name, and it would have taken you really far. But you kind of chose to forge your own path. And I always looked at it because I, I read your biographies, and I'm like, oh, they're honoring their father. Look, they're keeping I the Machado this, name. I you tell know? you this, it was not our choice. To do that yeah we're, no we're forced we're forced to do that. I, I yeah I, we would never have changed the name unless, unless we're forced and 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 it is obvious when i started here from day one it was never in doubt the lineage and the legacy that's why we have mm -hmm. the, the masters hanging on the wall sure. including carlos gracie jr sure who gave john uh, jackson's black i'm belt. so thankful for every single yeah, one. yeah. yeah carlos is why you're first you're the second carlos gracie jr's black belt Higa sure. was Higa the first, got first. Am I second? I think uh, you were right. You're right after. I, I was after Higa. Yeah. yeah, right after. Yeah. But yeah, you can't lose sight of where you came from. Oh, no. I think no, that's really, never, really important. I always give credit. For sure. And and how was that early days in America? Because the way we teach today was was a little bit different back in those days. I remember when I arrived here, was a lot of basic techniques. I mean, yeah. only, could, only, only. Um, Close guard and open guard, right? Exactly. <laughs> and the scissor sweep and yeah. the arm and the Americana from the mount. And how was that? How was the evolution of the teaching aspect mm -hmm. from that time until today? What so, changed? So I feel uh, we didn't have a roadmap uh, and we had a dream without a vision. You know what I'm saying? So, for instance, I, we had the dream, but the vision was not clear yet. The puzzle was the pieces are not together, okay? So I figured uh, being a student is one thing, being a teacher or an instructor is something else, you know? And when you're an instructor, your goal is to produce good students, to teach all you can. But if you don't have a roadmap, okay, how are we gonna make a system here? Uh, do, do I know what I'm gonna teach today? Because the way it was, was random. I teach one thing today, I teach one thing tomorrow, and, and let everybody teach whatever they want. So I really felt that, um, the American students didn't have the luxury 
or having parents that could support them until they decided to leave the house. So anybody in Brazil can train eight hours a day, whether they have a job or not, whether they go to college or not. So how can we make this consumable and it's still high quality? So I felt gradually, uh, I didn't have the structure that I have now, but I started to plan, you know, what I'm going to teach, excuse me, plan what I'm going to teach and all that stuff. I think the techniques in themselves, Jean-Jacques, we all have our styles, we all have our roots, um, but but I feel um, students learn at different pace. Some are more gifted than others. So my thing is I want to make the average above the average. I just want an average Joe to become the best student he or she can be, whether is a world champion or not, it doesn't matter. I mean, better, even better if they are, but if they are not, they're still not going to miss what they can get from jiu-jitsu and, and maximize their potentials, you know? So I felt uh, we didn't have a, any idea. Like our intro class back then was, you got a tough wrestler coming in, let's roll and go all out and see how many times I can tap you out to show you how good jiu-jitsu is. But then after a while, man, this is getting old, you know what I'm saying? I've had broken nose, I was bleeding different times. This guy tried to throw himself with me through the window. I'm like, this is becoming a liability here. There has to be an easier way. And then when the UFC happened and people started to come to learn jiu-jitsu because they wanted to learn, not just to test, they, they somewhat were um, um, understanding that jiu-jitsu was a, an important piece of the component. It became a little easier and of course today, you know, you don't have to say anything. Just share what you know on the mat. Yeah. Uh, but I think the evolution still is in place. You know what I'm saying? Like, uh, I think Brazilian, Brazilian, the Brazilian culture is more informal. High five, shake hands, not much. It's, they don't want to be disrespectful. They just don't use anything that instills respect. There's no bowing or anything like that. So I feel the other martial arts had a lot to teach us in that regard, which unfortunately was open to it. Some of my students started to question when I told them to bow first time. But like anytime there's change, there will be resistance. So you're not fighting for the present, you're fighting for the future. Mm -hmm. So if it's, not, if it's gonna cause a very positive impact, I'm okay losing some now so we can make a much greater impact let, later on. Let me ask yeah. you this too, is, um, is there any few funny stories that you can share that happened to you with your cousins or brothers as uh, growing up? Oh my gosh, so <laughs> many. Uh, let's see here. Um, I had the Chuck Norris impersonators. Is that what you're thinking of? We yeah. had a brother's camp and there was a student of ours that looked just like Chuck Norris. He was teaching a class and then the guy comes with, uh, you know, the sunglasses, you know, and shows up on the mat acting like Chuck Norris, and, and then John says, ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to bring to your attention our best friend here, Mr. Chuck Norris, and he goes like, oh, man, why didn't you tell me? You know, this is just, <laughs> there's certain things here and there, you know, like. Um, and we have that in camera, man. That yeah. was so funny. Um, we always had a, Which one's your favorite brother? I thought I'm going to ask yeah, yeah, you yeah. that. <laughs> I think I oh, have a good answer. Yeah, whoever, yeah. Whoever's near to me at the time I'm talking. So right now, can I touch this guy here? That's my best brother right well, here. Well, I can ask you the same thing I asked your brother Roger. Like, um, it's not a, not a favorite 
question. It's just when you guys were all coming up together, did you find you gravitated towards one brother more than the other? Not for any other reason that it just... Personality, compatibility, just, you know, you know how stuff like that. When, when you train, you kind of gravitate. I spent a lot of time with Higan because Higan and I, when we first moved to Rio, uh, we were living in the same place and actually we were holding, being instructors at the same school. So we're pretty much, and then later on with Jean-Jacques, when Higan left, me and Jean-Jacques, spent, I, I was his roommate. You Consequently, know, uh, too, you moved to U.S. and again started yeah. with Higgins too. Yeah, I was with Higgins uh, and John for a little while. And then, you know, eventually, as you know, I moved to Texas. Yeah, how we'll was that? About how that. how, how okay, about so that, Okay, so that note I, you, I, uh, you, I have you here. You left us. I came all the way from Brazil to be next right. to you. Then he said, okay, Jen Jack, I'm moving to Texas. Let me tell you. And I go, wait, wait a minute. If you watched the Godfather movie, An Offer You Can't Refuse. So Chuck Norris said, come to Texas. I'm going to help you build a school. Your school is going to be inside my studio. And I'm going to hire every week to work on my show. Uh, and until you make, you have enough students to make your own and you don't need it. You know? So, so I said, man, you're telling me you're going to beat me up, play, 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 fight me, pay me more than I would if I'm teaching. And on top of that, I can teach when I'm not working with you. Hell yeah, you know, <laughs> I'm going to be a movie star, you know? So, yeah, I mean, who does that for you, Jay? You know, the guy offered, and that was because a, that was he wanted f- to train your jiu But that was the funny thing, too, is I went to his place once, and the school was inside of the studio. Yeah. And sometimes in the middle of the class, we have a light. A buzzer, that, yeah, a red light. a buzzer, and we, then I have to stop. Like on no air. No noise. Yeah, so yeah. we have to train, but nobody can talk and stuff. But eventually, we outgrew the place, and... You know, the irony of all that, he was so busy with his show that he used to train more when I was living here in California than when I went to Texas. He barely trained when I went there. Go figure. Yeah. Interesting. But uh, then, you, was, then you end up staying there since then. Yeah, I know, for 25 years, 26 this year. And how was that? Um, how's your everyday, Carlos, going to teach the school? How I, I know you fall in love with Texas there and have your school and your whole family. Now you're a father of four kids, all teenagers, young, almost I'm young adults. Yeah. Yeah. You see, how is that? Okay, so made in Texas, right? So yeah, how 95, is that? 95 to 2000, that was the first five years, you know, I didn't have any black belts yet. Uh, my first black belts were in 2002. I had four black belts, Travis Luter, Tim Burrill, uh, Clay Pittman, and William Vandry. So that was the first time ever. Actually, I joked about it because uh, being in Rio and being in California, I stayed long enough that we I had brown belts. Then I left. So, it, I mean, there were my students in Higgins, my students in Jacques, but I never had the pleasure to be there or to officially rank somebody. So I actually joked about it and said, man, I'm not moving out of Texas until <laughs> I, I make, sorry, I make my own black belts. And uh, so... You know, I created a, a good group of guys who used to train hard. It was like hardcore at that time. And people would train like round robins, whatever. There was a, they were in good shape. I would make them run, you know, before class. It was like a boot camp sort of mentality. And uh, of course, eventually as, as, as you progress, you age more and stuff, you try to optimize your work. You don't have to work as hard. So I, and then I met my soulmate, my wife. In 2000, 2001, we started dating. 2002, we married, and then from then on, four kids in five years. And and that was another decisive fact, because 
Um, you know, Brazilians have a different culture, and I really had a contrast because my wife comes from South Carolina. First time uh, in her mind, what she thought was, what the world I'm doing here. Because uh, she walked into the apartment I used to rent, and there was a mountain of keys on, on the washer, on the, like, like on the laundry. Because I had so many keys, instead of going to wash the keys, I would pile them up until there was no more space. Then I would have to wash them all. She said, oh, my gosh, I was a slobber, you know, a slob. And, you know, but anyhow, <laughs> she straightened me out, helped me out tremendously. Uh, I don't know how women do what, what they do. And my wife in particular, being the mother of four children and helping me with my business in ways I've never been able to, to be helped and achieve results. So she set me straight. She set me straight uh, really good. And it was definitely a deciding moment in my life in in pos very positive way, but with a lot of struggles that uh, being newly married and newly parenting, you know, represents. So, but go ahead. No, I like I like to hear that. Uh, I don't want to interrupt you. You you're in a row and yes. what, and and if you guys don't realize, he wrote some notes of what he wants to talk. Yeah, look at this. So, Go ahead. I'm just following you now. Yeah. So on the you know as you were talking about, sorry for the on the evolution evolution right. So I always consider myself an instructor. You know, an instructor can go so far. You know, for instance, uh, you teach your students what you, they need to learn. You try to be positive, give them motivation, self-confidence, and things like that. But the mentorship part, you know, it's like how can you make what works on the mat be applied in real life? Yeah. There has to be more than just instruction of jiu-jitsu. You know, like when Jacques says what you say after you end the class, the pep talk, the mat chats, you know, those things really, yeah, you want to... Read something there? Or? No, I, somebody gave me this book. Oh, there you go. Uh, you see? still remember that? See, as you guys can see, it's a book he wrote. I mean, when I say he was the brightest and the smartest one, look at this. No, man. This is quotes. Just quotes. A lot of quotes that he comes up. And as you know, English is his second language, but feels like it's his first language for sure. Let's see here some of the things, Carlos. The problem with life is that we give it what we have, not what we can. Ironically, what we have is not enough, but what we can is all it asks. Mm -hmm. Come on, man, how do you come up with so many thoughts? Um, I can't explain, because I, I don't think this, about man. it, it just comes through. I, I have some, some quotes that I, I'm gonna read uh, towards the end that uh, it's more about master and disciple. That Look kind of this, applies man. to us. But there's any other one that you read? I have so many. For every win, there is a way. For every defeat, a lesson. There you yeah, go. There's so many things that, <laughs> see? Look at this, man. Look, it's, I'm going to, go ahead, keep up. Life can yeah. be oppressive only if, only your will can make it liberating. Look at this. The yeah. mind paints the picture, but only the heart can add the colors. Damn, I don't know, man. There you go, there you go. See, now, oh, that, now I, gotta, I gotta save that one. See? That, that one, you gotta the write it down. The mind paints the picture, but only the heart can add colors. We gotta keep that one. Save that one, Mike. We gotta keep that one. <laughs> hey, put that title on the podcast, right? Do you still have this book for sale? Uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's on Amazon. Uh, it's on uh, cmjjgear.com as well. Putting C the pieces together, is that right? That's mm -hmm. how we call Yep. 
Man, a lot of amazing pieces here. And he didn't know. I'm not I'm not doing this to make advertise just he likes to read the quotes. Man, the that's quotes. A, I'm going to steal a bunch. I'm going to say that I wrote those. And no, people, that's hey, okay. Jack, Jack, nice quote. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, uh, where were we? But, Carlos, I want to ask you, what jiu-jitsu means to you? Um, like, I, uh, See, like I was saying, jiu-jitsu... I'm getting you out of your no, script. No, no, no. Yeah, that's what it is. Uh, impacting people's lives, changing people's lives. I'm asking about you. Oh, me? Yeah, what jiu-jitsu impact uh, you? Love, I know what love, you can do to other love, people. Love, you, you do because you love. Um, I was teaching a class Sunday, this past weekend, Sunday morning, 9 to 12. I had a session with kids and adults, kids first, adults later. Sent a picture to my wife and said, man, I couldn't ask for more fun than, than teaching. You express yourself. For me, uh, it, it kind of like a... If I can answer a question to a student and make them realize they can do it right then, they don't have to wait for another day. Uh, when you do that, uh, it kind of fulfills you, regardless mm -hmm. of any financial gain you may have for, as, of getting paid with yeah. the service that you're providing. I feel it motivates me, you know, jujitsu. Uh, it keeps me motivated. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's a service. Let me complement that. Like, for instance, let's say you can't go and do a seminar and with your reputation in your name, you may not even teach much. You just go there, teach a little bit, and then stay there for the pictures. And let's say it's, you have the attitude, let's say, I'm going there because uh, I did it. I have a name. Uh, they are there for me. People are there for me. They come for the seminar for me. I, I think it's a very wrong way to think. Uh, I go there for them. It's the other way around. Yeah, for The sure. sense of service always goes that the person is the priority, not me. Because the way I look at it, if anybody was in my shoes, they either would know as much, if not more jujitsu than I do. You know what I'm saying? So I don't consider I'm superior because I have more knowledge than somebody that was not given the same opportunity or, or experience. But so when to answer your question about jujitsu, for me, it's love and expression uh, of, of art. I'm sorry. I keep hitting the microphone. So I, I love doing it, man. So everything that I do spins from there. You know. I think we all know that we never had a, a day of working in our yeah. lives because what we do is not, I don't feel that I'm working ever. Let me tell you what work is. It's what out, what's outside the mat. All the other words that you have to have. It's like showtime means mat time. You know, we're here. But everything that happens before and after that's work. That's the stuff that, and, you know. And, mm -hmm. and basing a lot of things that you write, and I I'm, I like to read a lot of quotes and from so many people, but I don't see the quantity and the quality of what you, you write here. It's amazing. How how do you use jiu-jitsu on your everyday life? Okay, so um, I teach group classes, I teach, uh, I do videos consistently. Um, I, uh, I teach uh, private clients, I do seminars. Um, now I'm, I'm motivated to train my kids some more. That's the irony of it, you train everybody but your own. Because my kids have trained more with their uncles and other people than they've done with me. So I feel like as a dad, there's that interesting me especially now I said I want to make more time for them because yeah. I didn't have the chance to make the time for them when they were younger not that I could have but I didn't regardless 
So I want to make sure that for the remaining time that I have ahead, while they're still under my wings, that I can give them something else, you know, in addition to. But how do I use jujitsu? Uh, I try to eat well. I try to exercise. I try to keep the lifestyle. You know is, is there anything that you keep with you from what Carlos Gray said, something conversation that For you sure. had, something sure. that he mentioned? I'm sure it's more than one, but... He was you... uh, the two greatest influence of men in my life. My dad, our dad, and my uncle, late Master Carlos Gray. Yeah, because he wrote something, again, the three Carlos of my life. Yeah. Can, you, can you kind yeah. of know yeah. those three guys that a lot of people don't know that Chuck, his yeah. name is Carlos. Yeah. You have Carlos Gracie, Carlos Machado, Carlos Gracie, and Carlos Norris. Carlos Norris, yeah. The three guys right. that do have impact a lot in, in, in our They impacted lives, my in life general. more than any other man. Yeah. And... Um, you talk about what Uncle Carlos... Yeah, something that he said or mentioned to you that you're still carrying that. Uh, last words I heard from him in my life before I came to America, be humble. Yeah, he said, you don't have to prove anything. He said that to me. Right before, uh, a couple of days before I left Brazil. And uh, he, it was 1990 when I left Brazil. I never came back to Brazil until 1996. My dad died the end of that year in 1990. Uh, and Uncle Carlos died in 1994, at age 94, ironically. Uh, and um, to my dad, the last word I told him was, you're the best dad in the world, truly, out of the heart. I mean, I was glad at least that. Where he, I mean, we talked on the phone after that, but live, mm -hmm. that's what I told him. And Uncle Carlos, um, he said, be humble. And so uh, when we had our very first print article in America, in a magazine, uh, the very title on top was Leave Your Ego at the Door. That was the name of the article. And that became a motto that every school, Machado school, most of them carry still, you know. I changed more recently to train smart, stay humble. Because I, I, I feel knowing more jujitsu means you become smarter how you train so you can last longer and enjoy it further. So, uh, but still originates from that advice that our uncle gave. Who, who is Carlos Machado? Carlos Machado is uh, a man on a mission, okay? Uh, my mission is really far. My ambition is to create, uh, you know, in the next few years, an impact in the lives of every single person I can touch, generations to come. If I have an instructor that learns from me, I want to make sure their kids, uh, will, will, or grand, and grandkids, okay? And, and in that regard, I can add a few things, why and how, I believe that. Yeah, and no, I think I'm, I'm going to add a few things into. Carlos Machado is someone who... Always being in our house because he's the oldest, the pioneer, I would say, the one that uh, made a lot of decisions in very tough times in all his younger brother's life. Mm -hmm. Someone who constantly care about all the other brothers. Someone who is always being an example. Someone that we always know we can count on him no matter what. And someone very special in my life and to all the other brothers. <laughs> Thank you, Jean-Jacques. Thank you. Uh, I cannot reciprocate, man. Uh, all right, man. That would, uh, I would leave this way, and uh, I think I love that one that, I mean, how about the quote that we had? What was that? The paint? 
We remember that? Yeah, the the mind does the paint and the heart as the color. What was yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Man, I gotta, gotta find that page because that's uh <laughs> it's uh an, an incredible one. Hold on, hold on. I wanna I wanna end with that because it's something really uh, the mind paints the picture. Yeah. But only the heart can add the colors. That's what I can say. My brother Carlos Machado is the one who brings colors to all his brothers. Thank you. Thank you, Carlos, yeah, for being here, much. man. Great that, uh, to be here. Gonna have to talk a lot more, a lot more to be saying. Anything that you left out uh, you yeah, wanna yeah, mention? I, uh, uh, just to finish, um, I want to see. Uh, yeah, you can. Okay, you should so, say something about uh, your organization, no, no, things that you do I, too. I, I don't need to extend. Just like I'm, I'm in the legacy building. You know, I want to build a legacy. Legacy. I want to leave the world a better place, and that's why I believe legacy is generational impact. Uh, so I have a, a a brother from another mother as yes. well. Uh, my partner Adam Carl who has been instrumental in helping me achieve those goals. We are both with the same vision and the same mission. And if anybody uh, is interested in coffee, we have a, a new brand coming up soon, uh, Stay Humble Coffee. So I want to say that. And if anybody wants to find out anything about Carlos Machado, uh, you're more than welcome to go to the at Carlos Machado Jiu Jitsu Instagram and say hi or the Carlos Machado fan page. And I guess that's it, you know, just uh, and close please the deal. Do, and do, con thank, uh, do continue to be an inspiration to all, all your brothers and millions of people out there. Thank you, Carlos. Thank, <laughs> thank you. Thank you, Jay. Thank you, sir. Appreciate you. it. This episode of No Gear Requirement is produced by JJ Grappling Incorporated, engineered by Mike Zavalos, and sponsored by The Art of Marcel Santos Fine Art Gallery. JJM 3.0 Advanced Online Training, Lutigear, Authority Auto, and Body LX 360.